Hello, everybody. Welcome to the latest episode of Adam and Ben, New and Selected. It's a podcast about the movies of Adam Sandler and Ben Stiller, two of America's greatest comedy stars. We're doing them one movie at a time to figure out who's the better, who's the funnier, and which of these movies reflect best their comedic personas. My name is Lucien, and I'm joined, as always, by my delightful co-host, Shane Kelly. Hello, Shane. How are you? Um, I'm good. Thank you. Long time no see. It's been a while. Shane and I did actually see Weird. each other in person this week for a very, yes. very um, rare uh, occurrence, but uh, it, did, it did happen. And weirdly, in the entire period, we did not get a chance to record the podcast but, or watch any films featuring our two actors. But, you know, other things um, take priority. We're here today to talk about one of, in my opinion, the most interesting, rewatchable, memorable and significant films of either actor's filmography. For many years, I would have probably said it was my favorite film that either of these actors had ever done, um, and it's still right up there. It is weird, it's long, most people haven't seen it, but it's really, really good. This film is Funny People. It came out in 2009, summer, late summer comedy release, uh, written and directed by Judd Apatow, um, kind of his weird blank check project after directing some of the biggest comedies of the 2000s uh, 2000s, and obviously producing loads more and this is kind of where he went spent 75 million dollars producing this directing this film and uh it didn't it didn't really make the cultural impact he would have liked but um in my opinion it deserved to so we're going to talk about it today so shane as with many of these films you watched this for the first time in the last couple of weeks i did um which is interesting to me because I've I saw this quite young, so I'm interested to know what you, uh, what your kind of initial thoughts on this were, having having watched it for the first time in, into 2021. Yeah, it kind of fits in with the usual Apatow thing of a personal, almost semi, not semi biographical, but it, Adam Sandler is kind of playing a version of himself in reality, where it's showing his his kind of offstage persona and how he. How the on how the on stage kind of funny man just like doesn't always translate into a funny guy off the off the stage. I wonder is this the closest he ever plays to? I mean, I guess it kind of is by default, right? This is the closest he ever gets to playing himself in a film. Yeah, I can't think of a single other thing where he plays a actor, stand up comedian type. I mean, he is just basically playing Adam Sandler in this. Yeah, like has he commented on it? Does this really reflect kind of his real life personality off off screen i don't think so i mean obviously the character in this film is kind of lonely and unmarried and pathetic and kind of just swims around in his wealth yearning for his like lost love and all of this yeah so i think the real guy is pretty happily married with kids so it's kind of a, a like a lonely version a kind of alternate reality lonely version of himself um but I mean, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie. Like the Le- Leslie Mann character kind of does look like Sandler's wife. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not unsimilar, but dissimilar. And obviously, Leslie Mann is married to Judd Apatow. Um, so I think that there are elements of both of these men's uh, experiences poached here, along with a sort of a more traditional um, kind of archetype of a sort of a wealthy, uh, you know reclusive figure obviously there's this essay that we were just looking at before recording written by david ehrlich 
which compares this story to um, Fitzgerald's Great Gatsby. I think that's maybe not even intentional, but it's absolutely there. You're talking about a wealthy guy. A lot of parallels. Yeah, who hides away, kind of yearning for this this former love, and this younger guy who kind of comes and moves in with him and sort of chronicles this um, narrative and these two people reconnecting. Um, This film, obviously, is a bit of less track. He's also called Daisy in both of them, so surely it must be. Oh, is she? Yeah, she's (laughs) Daisy in the film and she's Daisy (laughs) in the book, so. No, she's not. She's called Laura in the film. Okay, the IMDb fact just lied to me there, sorry. Yeah, the IMDb fact is lying to you. Um, the character's name is Laura. But uh, thank you okay, for spreading, that, that, spreading that fake news on the show. Um, but yeah, so George Simmons is the name of Sandler's character. He's uh, a guy, he's like a big movie star who makes a lot of garbage. Uh, he makes a movie called Redo about a guy who turns into a baby. And Justin Long has to look after him. He makes mm-hmm. a... A movie um, called Merman, where he's like a, a kind of a, a mermaid type guy. He makes a film called like My Best Friend, the and My Best Friend's an Android or something, which is like him and Owen Wilson. There's like posters up everywhere for these. There's mm-hmm. there's trailers shown for some of them, and they're basically kind of meant to be like you know exaggerated versions of the type of films that like Adam Sandler makes. That, I mean, that barely all these actors made. Like barely exaggerated. Like like redo is not that big of a, it's not that big of a stretch from Jack and Jill, you know. Yeah. But they're they're all kind of like one step more ridiculous than something Sandler would actually be in. Mm-hmm. But you know, I could see these being real. Um. So he is like former stand up comedian, and he obviously the film posits very early on that like stand up comedy is this like true pure art form, and big Hollywood, uh, broad studio comedies are garbage and yeah it's like it's the kind of it's the meritocracy of how you how you find your way in hollywood like it's yeah it's the right way to do it yeah and he but he's like basically super bummed out and like lonely and is kind of depressed at the start of the film and it seems like he feels as though he sold out um and everyone else seems to kind of feel the same way so he gets diagnosed with leukemia and he has like a really low chance of survival and he basically just kind of like jumps straight into this like sort of uh, fatalism where he's like all right i've got months left to live i'm gonna kind of like do the most with it so he starts going doing stand-up again at a comedy club it's like really depressing uh he starts like seeing all of his old friends and kind of like trying to like make the most out of the the rest of his life while he's at the comedy club he kind of runs into this younger gang of comedians including seth rogan's character ira who is this like struggling young comedy writer stand-up um who is living in this like he's he's like has this this millennial like low-income kind of la existence and sandler and him sort of develop a friendship and he ends up kind of going from being his like comedy protege to actually just being his carer when he's ill and they befriend each other and then they have a falling out and yada 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 and that's that's like one 85 90 minute movie that exists within funny people and then there is an entirely second film that happens in the last hour where sandler he recovers first of all he recovers from cancer and then he decides to go and visit his ex-wife um, or, you know, his ex-partner, Leslie Mann, and her children in this country house while her husband is out of the country. And him and Seth Rogen basically spend, like, loads of time with them and bond with the family. And him and Leslie Mann, like, get closer 
under the illusion that she thinks he still has cancer and is dying um and then that all falls apart when her husband played by eric banna comes back uh so those basically that's basically the plot of this film but there's like two films within it very very (laughs) different him recovering from cancer cancer is like a very distinct um marker in the middle of the film when the 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 tone shifts enormously when the weight of his um prognosis is is, is diagnosis is completely lifted off of not only his character but of the film itself so um that in itself is really interesting but it's obviously not unique to this um apatow does that a lot like the king of Mm -hmm. staten island most recently his last film he directed has the exact same structure but anyway the film runs to two hours and 26 minutes um, in my opinion, the best thing about it, I think it's great how long it is. You really get lost in it, and it just gives these characters time to just absolutely be explored and from every possible angle, yeah. which I think they deserve to be. And I did end up watching it in two parts, just but like because I it was think... a late night thing, and it didn't. It's not. It's one that's good if you're going to watch a film in two parts. This is kind yeah. of the way to go. You suggested to me that it might even work as a series. Yeah, because like it kind of is a two episode thing as it is. Yeah and like it did kind of run through the sickness thing quite quickly i found yeah like, it, it was does. it was almost montage like of just oh he's doing he's meeting his friends he's he's back mm-hmm. in the doctor again kind of thing so yeah there's a lot of montage stuff in this which is actually probably one of its weaker elements in my opinion mm. um there's so much about this film i like but there's a few things in it that get on my nerves one of those things is all the montages there's like a lot of montages that are kind of built on the like premise of like lots of celebrity cameos which i think is lazy um i don't care about the bits where like andy dick comes to visit him and all of his other friends and they just kind of weird like, M&M funny voices and like, goof around and it just feels indulgent and like it's there funny. to like and it just seems like it's there to buffer the running time and doesn't actually contribute anything to the plot and then hmm. the other thing that really gets on my nerves is the like actual comedy that is done in this film is really bad um they're like seth rogan's jokes i mean some of them are meant to be bad but like even the ones that sandler says are funny are really not funny they're all yes i crass in this very lazy way i'm not sure how what was the intent of those stand-up bits like are they meant to be funny funny i don't know like i think i think they're all like sandler's stuff at the start is meant to be bad it's meant to be like a depressed guy who can't be funny and then rogan's stuff is meant to be mediocre because he's not successful but then yeah. his stuff like there are moments where sandler goes like oh man that was actually really funny and i guess we're meant to agree with him but nothing that seth rogan says in this film is is funny like none of yeah, the actual like, jokes they point he out like oh yeah your your comedy will never get you laid it's just you're <laughs> off the fart jokes and like it, it is. is yeah but also like he gets crowd enjoy it like he I gets see. to a point where he's like yeah. being cheered off the stage and stuff like he's not being he's not getting crickets yeah but i don't um, think that his jokes get any better when the film's arc when the film uh, changes to suggest that he's more successful the jokes are just as bad but i think that's what stand-up comedy is like i guess i don't I mean, think a lot of stand-up is like stand-up works when you're in a room full of people drunk together yeah that's it like you get another role like it's just kind of but i also think it's a personality thing and a performance thing as much as it is the actual content yeah but i I think seth rogan's like funnier than the jokes in this film like i think that his jokes he makes when he goes on conan o'brien or whatever are a lot funnier than the jokes that ira makes maybe that's just maybe he's gotten funnier since 2009 but I, i think that like ira as a comedian isn't as funny as the real rogan i don't know 
But anyway, on the subject of Rogan, I think him being in this is so fun, is so so interesting, right? So like, he's the only. This is the only time that Sandler has ever like shared billing with a younger A-list comedy star, right? Yeah. So like, Sandler yeah. puts the close, the, like the next closest. I guess the only other one is Andy Samberg in That's My Boy. That's the only other one. I think that that counts, right? So like, yeah. those are in everything else. He's either with some guy his own age or the younger guy is somebody way below his level like it's it's a nick swarsden or some somebody of that 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 sort of ilk right Mm -hmm. but it's really unusual for him to be like sharing the billing with like a guy who can open a huge comedy um who is 20 30 years younger i don't know i think it's great so like rogan obviously when this is made is coming off this run of huge hits um he's done a few that Apatow directed, a lot that he's produced, and he is probably like on average making, releasing things that are films that are just as successful as what Sandler is releasing. Yeah. So what had he up to this point? He had Superbad and was not so done he, before this. And... So obviously he's he's not in Superbad, but he writes it. Yeah. Well, he, he's in it, right? He plays it. the cop. Um, he is in Knocked Up, which is huge, and obviously Apatow directs and he he's done obviously like he's come from tv um and then he does um sorry i'm getting his 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 list up here yeah so he's done um he's done like a bunch of animation like an insane amount of animation he he does voices in shrek the third spider chronicles horton here's a who kung fu panda uh crazy and then he's done a couple of bad oh monsters versus aliens god he's so much animation and then his like two big starring roles in movies um after knocked up have both been uh garbage it's been zach and miri make a porno and observe and report now i have not seen either of those films but they are pretty widely considered to be appalling i mean there are people who defend observe and report but like most people do not like that film so he is doing kind of bad. I don't know. There's like a sense that maybe he's not actually as big of a, a potential star as Knocked Up made him seem. Um, I mean, after this, he does. He is. He is a confusing one to kind of put into categorize. Like it's never. It's never happened for him. Like I he's mean, not a lead, but he's also not considered like a common character actor. Really, he kind of just yeah. plays himself. Like he doesn't. Yeah, he is at his most successful when he is part of a gang of some variety. I yeah. Mean, this is the end is not a film I really like, but it does work for him when he is in a gang with Jonah Hill, James Franco, the boys, you know, I mean, that's what he, that's where he came from was, was doing that on TV and freaks and geeks and, um, undeclared with those guys. And obviously he's in stuff like he's in dramas where he's excellent, like 50, 50 and take this waltz. The green Hornet was, is really, really bad superhero movie that he's in. Uh, neighbors, Steve Jobs, of course. Steve Jobs, he's great in yeah. supporting role. Neighbors and bad neighbor, bad neighbors, bad neighbors two, whatever the hell they're called. No interest, do not interest me. Um, and then like the, the long shot is kind of his night. recent hit. Yeah, like well, then he has the interview. He has uh, the night before. He has long shot. He has uh, American Pickle. That's kind of his last few starring roles. I think long shot is his probably best performance apart from this although knocked up is like a terrific film i fucking love it i watched it recently at like five o'clock in the morning i woke up one day couldn't get back to sleep i put i put knocked up on and it's just really it's just a fun hang yeah uh 
it has like whatever gender politics that hasn't aged well but it's a fun hang and long shots just like a very moving film about like like it's it's goofy and whatever but it's like quite moving because it's like i don't know it's just like a nice film about like a guy who looks like seth rogan um ending up with a woman that looks like Charlize theron and it's like a nice it's like a nice story um but anyway I have so much time for Seth Rogen, but yet if you asked me my 10 favorite comedy actors, he would not probably come up because there aren't enough 10 out of 10 films in here. Um, like the highs are really high and the average yeah. is just not that, not that great. And it's like, are you, at a, because... are you at a point now where if you see his name on a post, you're like, oh, well, we won't see that because he's no, it. definitely not. Like I want to see like when I like the last, like the only Seth Rogen film I have gone to see in the cinema it, like okay if you exclude steve jobs <laughs> which doesn't count the only seth rogan film i have ever paid to see in the cinema where he was the lead i think is long shot and that is because of Charlize and because of bob odenkirk um it was not because of him yeah. and but when it started i was so thrilled that he was the lead and not some other guy not and you know, to be honest not jonah hill i like seth rogan so much more um Ooh. I think that Jonah Hill gets very annoying very quickly when he plays assholes. I think Seth Rogen has like a lot more rope to work with um, in terms of likability. And I think his like real life persona is very, very endearing. I think he seems like a very nice person with good politics who smokes a lot of weed and probably votes for the same people I would. And um, I don't know. He's never done anything to piss me off. So yeah. I have a lot of time for him. But anyway, in the film, in this film, I think that him and Sandler have such good chemistry together. I think that their like weird sensibilities and like the way that they do voices or the way that they do just kind of like the way they like kind of communicate through irritating constant bits works really well. Mm. And like the best thing about this film, in my opinion, is the way that Sandler just goes all in on doing bits and like stupid voices singing stupid songs like irritating ira and it gets annoying but it gets annoying in a way that i kind of relate to from my own life and also in a way where i'm like yes this is what i would want if i was living in adam sandler's house for two weeks like if i was looking after him uh if i was a fan of his and he was dying and whatever like this is what i would like this is what i would want to be around is him like he keeps doing this thing in this film where he does like a silly little voice or a silly little song and then he gets sick of himself halfway through and he gives up and it's like that's a whole way of being like yeah. he'll be like ooh I rap blah 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 and do like a stupid little song and then halfway through he'll be like ah oh, forget it it's not funny and it's like this film to me feels like it's very honest about the limits of his comedy the limits of comedy in general and like the moment at which you get sick of somebody who wants to be funny all the time yeah and that's that's really interesting and not many films actually do depict that so it's it's a cool thing to have in, in a film of this stature um yeah it does kind of the film does kind of dissect comedy in a different way than like most modern films do like it's complete take it's complete divergence from the kind of i guess the marvel comedy style where it's like joke everybody laugh wink at the camera like it's Mm-hmm. it just doesn't I, go for it at all like it's kind of self-aware in that it's like yeah i think this comedy film, doesn't work this film, igno- this film igno- yeah this film acknowledges that people get sick of comedy and yeah. it acknowledges that a lot of comedy doesn't work and i think it it uses these two actors who have made so many bad comedy films that people are familiar with hmm. in order to kind of present this 
this uh, duality of you can be really, really funny and then you can absolutely fall on your face. Yeah. And the film the film doesn't draw, trot out this cliche of like, I mean, it kind of does at the start, but like, oh, the comedian who's struggling inside. Like, yeah, sure, Sandler's like a bit depressed, but like he cheers up halfway through. And the film <laughs> is still has these ideas of like, oh, right. Um, it, it's doing something different to most films about comedians. It's not just, oh, the comedian is having a hard time. It's, oh, the comedian is actually like forgetting how to be funny and is like not understanding why people don't find their stuff funny anymore um but anyway the rogan kind of thread of the film does introduce this really great bunch of supporting actors where you get his housemates who are jonah hill and jason schwartzman and their like neighbor and his like love interest is aubrey plaza and first of all like jason schwartzman being in a sandler film is great i wish he would do it more he's such a great actor he's so funny he does he did the music for this he co-wrote the score for this film and he's great in this and his whole like yo teach thing is really funny um and then jonah hill is kind of is very well cast but is basically this like um just kind of like the guy that's there for rogan's character to be jealous of which is I guess somewhat meta given that he ended up playing Rogan's proxy in super bad and then having a bigger movie career faster. Some might argue. Um, yeah. This film does get into kind of the, can you cheat your way to the top? Like, yeah. Yeah. Because like Jonah Hill is getting success through like, and both Schwartzman and Hill are getting success through like less than less yeah. than, Legit yeah, I'm on the phone. Comedy means, but you know, they're still they're still there. And then Aubrey Plaza, I definitely had never seen anything before this. Both her and Aziz Ansari show up and pulled from the cast of Parks and Rec, and she's all right. Like I've my tolerance for her has run out in the last couple of years, but I guess she's good in this. I liked her in it at the time. Hmm. Um, she's definitely like not the type of uh, love interest you typically get in a Sandler film, but um, I guess she fits the the apatovian mode a little bit more and then also in this you have rizza from the wu-tang clan who plays rogan's co-worker at a deli which is like you know this very apatovian casting of like what if a musician played a guy which he does in everything and then the other thing he loves to do is what if a musician shows up and performs midway through my movie and in this case it's james taylor i love james taylor he's great it's nice to see him in something apparently according to imdb trivia this was meant to be springsteen to be honest i think james taylor is like a much funnier choice because like james taylor is just kind of random and he doesn't like steal attention away from the plot the way that springsteen would just like shake the entire film by showing up um james taylor is like a mid-level cameo where you can kind of just Move, move yeah, on. Yeah, Springsteen yeah. would have been too much. Yeah, if Springsteen shows up, you just won't forget that for the rest of the movie, you know. Waiting for him to come back. Yeah. Um, the best performance in this film probably is Eric Bana as Leslie Mann's <laughs> he husband. Is good. Yeah. He's so good. And like, I've never seen him be this good in a single other thing, but he's great. He's using his own Australian accent. He's just this like cocky, kind of irritating guy who, but he's also like kind of fine. Like, he doesn't really do anything wrong, but he's just. He's just like a, a bit of a macho asshole, like. But he's but he's kind of right to be a dick to Sandler because Sandler is yeah. hanging out with his with his wife a lot. Um, but I don't know. I don't. He know. is I funny know. though. He's funny in this. He's hilarious. He does a great bit. Like he's great, and there's just this great kind of running gag of like trying to figure out whether him and Leslie Mann are irresponsible parents, 
Uh, so their mm-hmm. kids are played by Apatow's daughters, Maud and Iris, who are both really talented actresses. And obviously in the, the Knocked Up, this is 40 sort of films. And like this whole thing of them coming into the room and asking if they can watch Borat and stuff is just like, <laughs> it's funny, but you're also like kind of towing this line of like, are they bad parents? And is this inspired by Apatow and Leslie Mann's real rearing of these children? Um, I think it actually adds to the film that the kids resemble her so much like i think it's i think it's great um i mean this is 40 is a movie that is basically entirely about her raising those children but um i think that it's uh i think it's great when child actors play like their Mm. own parents as kids like the shining star example being ryan and tatum o'neill and paper moon but this is a great film anyway uh, great casting anyway so yeah he comes in he kind of like he manages to up the he managed to kind of up the energy like absolutely yeah like it's kind of a lower energy yeah, film everyone in this in and he's far more lively and action yeah exactly i think that like yeah so it's, a good mix. Man, like, it's a good change of pace when he arrives yeah sandler rogan and and man are like the only three adults in it for like 20 30 minutes there in the middle and they all have these very kind of like i mean sandler is by no means a low energy guy but the character kind of is yeah and they all have this like droll way of communicating and then eric banish shows up and is instantly just like a major physical presence and i think that's it when you have a two and a half hour film you need someone like that to bring the bring the buzz you know at that point in the narrative um i definitely think this is out of the best film appetite has directed but like there's a couple of really good ones in there i think knocked up's really good this is 40 is really good King of Staten Island is really good. And then I have a lot less time for um, 40 year old Virgin and Trainwreck, but they are fine. They're all decent. I think he is, uh, you know, he's a really, really talented director. And the films he directs are always like a step above the ones he produces in most cases. Um, go through some of our segments that we do on the show now. So uh, in terms of the class corner, this is one of the wealthier characters that Sandler has played. Um, definitely one of the only characters that is like at his own level of wealth. Um, and as a result, yeah. the film isn't exactly critical of it, but I guess it plays around with the idea that maybe it's obscene how much money he has. But yeah, there's like like there's the scene where he goes into his garage and he's just like, oh, yeah, sell all the shit. I don't care how much you get for it yeah exactly like his cancer diagnosis totally like alerts him to the the grossness of his of his wealth um but it's interesting because i don't know you know well that sandler definitely has as much money as george simmons does does he feel that way i don't know yeah Yeah, like obviously it's it's fairly explicitly like a theme of the film like oh money can't Mm. make you happy or whatever yeah, and that's and like it's the... discussed between Ira and George or whatever, and Ira's like, "Yes, I'll take some money." Yeah, exactly. It would make <laughs> me happier because he's living rent free on Jason Schwartzman's couch, like. Yeah, and yeah, I think the film is sort of like, "Oh, look at this poverty! Look at this success! Uh, let's find something in the middle," and that's where comedy comes from. Yeah, and that's what they both try to find at the end, I guess. Um, the ending is fine. I don't think it's a spectacular. The film ends with Sandler and Rogan basically sitting down in a diner becoming friends again after they have a, an argument yeah because leslie man goes back and yeah. chooses eric banner ultimately yeah i don't think that it's like matters much i mean i don't think this film i don't think apatow sat down with an ending in mind i think this ending just kind of had to slot in here because the film could just go on forever um, yeah but it is it is just kind of like what his films are like in that they're kind of just they're just me it's how it's how people are like 
Yeah. This exactly. is how the real world is. Life just continues. You just yeah. You get pissy at people and then you move on and then whatever you hang out with them again in a while. Yeah, it's a, it's, a it, like. it's a truthful ending. Yeah, there's yeah. nothing there's nothing Hollywood about it. Like no, it's just um, a, it's how relationships work. Yeah, the fake movies in this film are featured on a website uh, that has sprung up recently called Nestflix, which is a fake streaming service that is entirely dedicated to fictional films that exist within other films. Um, so if you go onto it now, you can search for uh, films such as Redo. And it will uh, give you an entire page dedicated to Redo, uh, which is apparently one hour and 48 minutes long, uh, starring Justin Long and George Simmons. And the tagline is, when you ask a wizard to make you younger, try to be more specific. I would watch. I would watch Redo. I like the idea there's a wizard in it. I want to know who plays the wizard in it. Um, That would be something I'd like to see. Um, on the Alex to Alex scale, which ironically we forgot to do for the film with Alex the Lion in it that we covered in our last episode, uh, George Simmons, not a very angry guy. He's pretty low energy. He's been drained of a lot of life at the start of this film. He literally has cancer. So Yeah, there's not a lot for him to get mad at because like, yeah. all of his issues are kind of self-inflicted. Like he's, like he's bitter. It's... Yeah, he's, yeah, he's bitter. bitter. And he tells people to fuck off, but he doesn't get mad. So I'd say he's at the low end of the scale. He's, yeah. he's down there with, with Alex the I don't remember who's on which end of the scale. The lion is at the low Alex, end. Alex, the lion is in the low end, which yeah, because the yeah, old, the I other Alex is, is trying to murder an old lady, right? Yeah, yeah, just because uh, he's he's literally yeah. a lion who eats people. I I don't know how we came up with that, but anyway, I don't know. Either. That was your idea. I was going to question. <laughs> was, but I, was like, I haven't seen Madagascar. Yeah, we hadn't seen it. We hadn't seen it at the time. Um, our our segment, uh, wife guys. Um, the obviously wife character in this film is uh, Leslie Mann, who is also going to pop up in. <laughs> Uh, big daddy Leslie Mann is really great she's really funny I'm a big mm-hmm. fan of hers um, I think her collaborations with Apatow are all her best work um, I think she gets wasted in other comedies like whether that's fucking how to be single or whatever I think she's always wasted but she's like probably one of the funnier actresses of her age group so I think she should get used more and she's great in this I think she's really She's really lovely. I, I can't think of anyone I would rather have played this role, to be honest. Again, it's a kind of um, honest depiction again, with the, the movie relationship. Will. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, there are. Yeah, I don't know. You were saying his real wife is similar. Is she's similar looking shape wise? I guess she's yeah. like similar type of woman. I don't think Sandler's real wife is probably half as talented an actress or comedian as yeah. Leslie Mann. I'd be happy to be proven <laughs> wrong. Maybe she is, but from her cameos in his various films, I've never gotten a real like. Uh, electric charge from her mm. um as a performer but you know seems like a, a lovely person um would the movie work with ben stiller i don't think so i don't know does stiller have the kind of stand-up background no he doesn't see he's not he's not the like but he's not the clown know, makeup on the sad face yeah. like he's not but you know he's he's in this right like he's in the opening scene it's him in the room with Sandler doing oh, the really? phone calls. I thought it was Judd Apatow was there as well. Is it, they're all there. They're all there. Uh, is Stiller an Apatow guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were all friends. Like, oh. yeah. Stiller, yes. And yeah, Stiller and uh, Janine Garofalo. I can never pronounce her name. Garofalo. Garofalo. Garofalo are all in the room. Um, I don't think that that's the thing. Like, so... I don't know. We're going to have to dig into this as we get onto the show. I don't know how much Sandler and Stiller are actually like friends or have ever been friends. Yeah. But I do know that they are sort of both independently friends with Judd Apatow. Okay. Stiller and Ap- like Apatow's 
breakthrough was working on the Ben Stiller show, which was a show in the 90s. And uh, obviously Apatow and Sandler sort of lived together. So I get the sense they were probably friends with Apatow at different stages of their careers. I mean, it is weird to me that Stiller has never actually made an Apatow film. Mm. Like, of any kind. Like, I don't think they've ever been credited on something together apart from this i guess and maybe the odd other thing i could be forgetting something i feel like yeah the cable guy probably appetizer i think co-wrote that so i'm not i'm talking shit yeah. but anyway it, i think he's he's in that prank phone call scene, i do like is, prank phone call, the prank phone call is great it's yeah. excellent it's funny and it's also a really nice way to start this film by establishing this like very i don't know how to call it like homespun vibe of just like these are real people yeah. this is a very specific energy of us goofing around that you're gonna have to deal with for the next yeah but it creates the context like that they're like they're funny people yeah. beyond like per- the performance beyond yeah the performance yeah yeah that they're just like people who goof around in their spare time which think, so much of this is being exposed to that yeah i feel like a lot of people stand up probably is a watered down version of like their actual bits like yeah 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 it's... like stand-up seems like it's kind of a condensed version for an audience like it's yeah they're not truly nobody's at their funniest on stage yeah 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 it's things you say to your friends that they're you're not organic like it. the organic stuff is what's funny yeah yeah exactly um, um the soundtrack album for this film features songs by paul mccartney james taylor neil diamond at Neil Diamond, and also a song called George Simmons' Soon Will Be Gone by Adam Sandler, two minutes and 15 seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, we are absolutely going to have to end the episode with that, remind me to do that. But it also features a cover of a John Lennon song by Adam Sandler, um, which sounds great. I assume it's in the film, but sounds good. Um, this film opened July 31st, 2009. Oh, there's an unrated cut on the DVD, which is like a few minutes longer. Yes, I've watched that version as well. I don't think there's anything super memorable in it. Um, This film opened on July 31st, 2009. I remembered it coming out in August, but that's because Irish release dates. I think I was in Denmark when this came out in Denmark. Yeah, I definitely was. Um, Weird fact for you. I was in Denmark and uh, Oasis split up and Funny People was out that (laughs) weekend. Uh, but anyway, come out July 31st, 2009. You are going to quiz me on the box office of that weekend. Do you have some clues prepared? Yes, I'm whipping it up right now. Let's see how my memory of July 2009 pairs. I honestly think I'm going to get them all, but I could be wrong. But I think very, very strong memories of this time in my life. Did this film open number one? Which is crazy, actually. That's impressive no, I, for the summer. I'm asking you. Did this film open number one? Yeah, it did. I saw that earlier when I was getting you this link. Yeah. I don't know how it opened number one. That's actually really, really good. Like, because it didn't make much money. Like, it barely Uh, made back its gross. Yeah, like, the film number two on this list is only in its second week. And it's a significantly bigger film. You'd imagine it would have still been bigger in its second week than many people would. So... I'm not sure what the second film is, but there's a big one in here that I'm going to get out of the way. Maybe it is the second week, but there's a film that came out on July 15th, 2009 that should be in here, and it's Harry Potter and the Half-Foot Prince. Yes. That, that is number two the film that you... Number two. Oh, well, that's been out for two weeks already. Oh, sorry, two. It's been out for two weeks, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. So that's done two so weekends already. Yeah, the third week is a bit less than Funny People. It was like 22 million and 17 million. So. It's still crazy to me to think that more people went to see Funny People this weekend than went to see the third weekend of a of a Potter. Yes. 
That is nuts. But like I guess this is Potter in its stride. Like this. Ex- is- absolutely. But I guess everyone just went in the first two weeks. Yeah. All right. So that's number two. What's okay. Next. Cool. It's a Disney film. Well, not Disney, but it's made by a Disney company. Mm-hmm. Okay. Is features animals. Is it animated? Yes. It's animated and it features animals, and this is summer two thousand and nine. Um, is it Pixar? Do you think? No, it's I don't not. think so. I don't. You think don't so. think so? I'm pretty sure it's not. It's it's a. Uh... Is this Bolt? No, but it's it's you're very oh. much like talking about like an adjacent film that you'd probably Adja- still say with each other. Bolt adjacent. Yeah. Is it G Force? Oh, it is G Force. G Force not animated. G Force G Force is like is a live action film with 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 animated guinea pigs. But yeah, I'm looking at the poster here. I couldn't remember because G Force like... features Zach Galifianakis, Bill Nye, a few yeah. other actors. Very very interesting. Uh, very bad. Features like Nicholas Nicol- Nicol- Cage. <laughs> Yes, Nicolas Cage, Steve Buscemi, John Favreau, Tracy Morgan, Penelope Cruz, Sam Rockwell. Ridiculous, ridiculous cast. It ha- It also features the great Flo Rida, Nelly Furtado song, Jump. Mm-hmm. And I own it on Blu-ray. <laughs> I used to. I, I gave it to a charity shop or something. Um, I bought that film on Blu-ray about two years after it came out. I don't know why I did that. I did not like the film. Um, but I did because I'm. I was a strange child. Uh, not good. I did see it in the cinema, though. And I didn't see funny mm-hmm. people in the cinema, so go figure. I was I was eleven, to be fair. Yes. <laughs> uh, how old were you when you saw this first? I saw this in twenty eleven, so I saw this when I was thirteen. Okay. That's when I that's when I got into Sandler. Yeah. Next up is a Robert Lukatic rom com. Robert Lukatic, not a real person. Never heard of him. Is this the proposal? No. Oh shit! The proposal was out around that time. Uh, okay, can you give me any other like plot details? Do you know anything about it? Uh, the tagline is the battle of the sexes is on. Oh, interesting. Okay. I think it features I think the main character works as some sort of TV host. Is it the movie Morning Glory? No. Oh, interesting. That's 2010. Uh, TV host. Uh, is Jennifer Aniston in this? No. Is Katherine Heigl in this? Yes, she is. She is. Okay. So it's not one for the money. It's not. Is oh Jared Butler's in this? It's called the um the ugly truth. Correct. Yes. Go Robert Lukatic, director of Legally Blonde. Oh, fair enough. Okay. Twenty one. I've been meaning to watch Legally Blonde. Monsters in Law. Oh, we talked about that in the last did. episode. <laughs> uh, Killers, the Ashton Kutcher one. Killers is just another Catherine Heigl, yeah. Yeah. Did he do uh, one? Did he do one for the money? No. Who made one for the money then? Okay. Well, uh, uh Heigl. Year, paranoia and. All right. Paranoia. Paranoia is. Paranoia is a weird film with like Harrison Ford and Liam Hemsworth that no one's ever seen. Um, What was going to say? Yes, Catherine Heigl, uh, of course, of Knocked Up fame, now competing with Rogan and Apatow at the box office. How interesting. Ha ha ha. Morning Glory was the film you wanted me to check the director? Uh, No, no. uh, It it was One for the Money. (laughs) Oh, One for the Money. Catherine Heigl, 2012. Don't know what it's about. Just know that it's called One for the Money. It's a rom-com, is it? 
Yes, of some variety, yeah. Julie Ann Robinson. Oh, oh, female director, so, hmm, interesting. All right, next up is a new entry this week. Okay. One that I might have heard of. I'm, I've got to look it up. Is it year year one? No. Nope. Okay. Oh, yes, I've seen this before. It's like... It's a weird... It features little creatures. It features... Oh, uh, Aliens in the Attic. Aliens in the Attic. It's fun. <laughs> I, I really do remember this summer very well. Um, Who is the... Who is the the bad zoo boy in Aliens in the Attic? Is it somebody we like? Uh, I think it's Jenkins, and, Austin Butler, Andy, Ri- Andy, Andy Richter, right? Robert Hoffman. Jarvis. Is there not a bad zoo boy? Maybe not. Andy Richter is Uncle Nathan Pearson. Oh, okay. Oh, oh, here we go. Tim Meadows as Sheriff Doug Armstrong. He's a sheriff, so he's definitely the bad zoo boy. Well, Tim Meadows is great. He's the, you know, he's the, the he's Connor for Real's uh, manager in Popstar. Oh, yes. Go ahead. Black, yeah. The black guy with the saxophone. Yeah. yeah he's great. He's great. He's great. Uh, that sounds terrible. A, a voice voice cast of Aliens in the Attic, Josh Peck, J.K. Simmons, and Thomas Hayden Church. Wow. And they're way down the building. Already. They are way down. All right. Well done, guys. We watched that in school once. Maybe really? in, Maybe in primary school somebody put that on. Like maybe like twenty minutes of it. I feel like I didn't really take it in. I don't know. It was on yeah. at some point. Anyway, continue. Uh, next film coming in at number six. Still like for I haven't heard of this film, but it's mm. it's in its fourth week and it's still at number six. Okay. Um, a Jaume Colette Sarah film. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Now we're talking. We had him in our last episode too. He's Jungle really? Cruise. He's Jungle Cruise. Ah, uh, yes. Okay. So this is a Liam Neeson picture, probably, and it's called Unstoppable or Unbreakable or something. No, it's no? not. It is a is it Peter Sarsgaard film. It's a Peter Sarsgaard film. No yeah. such thing. No such thing exists. Peter Sarsgaard's never been the lead. Vera Farmiga. What? Farmiga. Peter Sarsgaard. Isabel yeah. Furman. What the fuck is this? Um, and those are the main actors. Yeah, that's one, two, and three. Okay, one, so it must be. Herself, has to, it's a ho- It's got to be a. It's a horror of some kind. Yeah. Okay, it's gonna. It, okay, so does it have like a definite article in the name? Nope, single word. It's single a. It's a word. noun. Oh God! It's not Franklin or something. Um. No. Oh, I have no idea. This could be anything. This is called Orphan. Yeah, okay. I was going to say the orphanage or something. Yeah, all right. That exists. Okay, interesting. Next up, we have a... I can't remember the name. It's well, <laughs> the studio we mentioned it last week. Yeah, Blue, uh, Blue Sky Boys. I Blue Sky Boys. I, I say yeah. it's Dawn of the Dinosaurs. Is it Blue Sky Boys? The Blue Sky Studios, yeah. Blue Sky Studios, sorry. So this is the, this is the only Ice Age I ever saw in the cinema. And... Uh, yeah, it was okay. Same. I think I might have seen two Ice Age in the cinema. I think we discussed yeah. this last week anyway. We discussed this last week. Yeah. <laughs> Coming in at number eight in its seventh week. Wow. One of the, I think one of the biggest comedies ever, or at the time it was. This is, um, oh, this is The Hangover. It is. I have not seen the first Hangover in years. I remember thinking it was kind of bad. And remember thinking this. So my my hot take. This may never come up again on this podcast. <laughs> my hot take is that the first two hangovers are really boring and not interesting, and the third one is a masterpiece. <laughs> I think the third one is the best Scorsese movie of the 2010s. Yeah. Um, I think it's 
so good. I think that Ken Jong deserved an Academy Award nomination for it. I think that he gives a beautiful performance as a mentally insane man who's driven over the edge finally. Yeah. I think John Goodman's great in it. I think that it has great action. I think the marketing for it was amazing. I think Hangover 3 is so good. I will defend it to the death. Otherwise, Todd Phillips can go rot. His movies are shit. Okay. <laughs> Do you have a Hangover 3 opinion? Uh, yeah, I... I I kind of I agree with what you say. It's like it's kind of weirdly like scaled down compared to the first two. Yeah, it's like, just not. A, a it's not a. It's uh, no. I think it has a much bigger budget. It's just really? not a. It's not a comedy. No, that's it. Yeah, they've kind of run out of the. It's a thriller. <laughs> yeah, he just, just uses. He basically uses the blank check of two massive comedy hits to make a. Yeah, there's no kind of com- there's no like funny premises anymore. Like they did yeah. the two. They did like. Boys yeah. Weekend in Vegas, and then Boys Weekend in Thailand, and now yeah. it's just like, oh yeah, shit, this guy got kidnapped. Yeah, he just does like a cool kidnapping crime movie yeah. with a bunch of really talented actors like Bradley Cooper and Ken Jong, John Goodman, and he does it on like a seventy million budget and releases it on Memorial Day weekend, and it gets a massive, <laughs> massive Warner Brothers marketing campaign. Yeah, um, I think Todd Phillips kind of a genius i mean he did that once with this and then he made a fucking garbage fucking whatever he did with joker but i mean at least he did like i mean joker's not garbage he should have got ken jong to play joker he should have got ken jong to play joker joker he would have been (laughs) absolutely all right so hangovers in there very good next up we're back into the rom-coms wow the proposal yeah yeah there we go that was a huge huge hit I remember watching this in my grandmother's house. My uncle brought a DVD of it for the watch. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah. This was a year when I watched a lot of things on my iPod Classic. I downloaded. A lo- I, I found a website where you could download films as MP4 files and okay. load them onto your iPod. Um, and I, I watched Funny People that way uh, two years later. But I watched the... Yeah, I watched... Oh, I you have no idea how many films and shows I watched that way. I watched the entirety of Breaking Bad that way. Um, yeah, and the entirety of, like, many of my favorite shows. Um, yes, I watched The Proposal on my iPod at some point in 2009, and I have not remembered a single second of it. I'm sure if it was on TV, I would... And if I was if it was on TV and I was in a room with people I didn't know very well, I'm sure we could all leave it on and we'd find it perfectly charming. Next up. Uh, big franchise. Okay. Um, 2009. Yeah. Um, I need one more piece of Is it? No. One more piece of information. Space stuff, I guess. S- space stuff. No, uh, not entirely. Like, it's space stuff on Earth stuff. Like, it's just gonna... Well, it's not Star Trek. 2009 Star no. Trek. No. Oh, okay. Uh, space stuff. Like, they made, like, five of these. This is probably the second or third. Oh, this film is called Transformers uh, Revenge of the Fall. Yeah. Is that number two? The- yeah, very, very yeah. bad. The worst one. Oh, I'd imagine so. Uh, this one, this film had no script. It was made during the writer's strike, and they they shot without a script for large chunks of it, um, and as a result, it is narratively mm-hmm. incoherent, and it's just Still very, Still coming bad. in at number 10, six weeks in. So yeah, I mean, it, it made a lot of money, yeah. 388 million, I pardon this. Oh, yeah, this was this was an interesting summer, right? So this was the summer when all, like, the, white, the writer's strike stuff came out. Yeah. So there was, like, a bunch of really bad films that didn't have proper scripts and stuff. True, but I'm looking at the list from one to twenty. Like I, you've heard of them. I know and have seen yeah. a lot more than 
Yeah, because these even were this, this summer, like yeah, because this was stuff that was on TV when we were thirteen. So we were like, that is it. Yeah, that was like peak watching TV years. That like, was, I don't watch TV yeah, anymore. Exactly. Those were that was peak. Ooh, there's a comedy with movie stars. I'm yeah. old enough to watch this. Yeah. Yeah, like I was sixteen when RT got the rights to these. Like, well, yeah, younger probably. Yeah. <laughs> no, you weren't. You were thirteen. I just said. thirteen. Sorry, yeah, yeah. But like <laughs> from then, that couple of years, they probably started showing. Like. Oh yeah, absolutely. Anyway, all right. Uh, next one is. Surely Public Enemies is in here somewhere. It is. We're okay. getting there. All right, okay. Because uh, that, that came out the week earlier. How has it fallen so fast? Oh, it's not. It's in week nine. Oh, never mind. Jesus, Public Enemies must... Can't, I, all I know is that that film came out July 22nd in Ireland, so it must have got delayed, it must have got delayed a lot here. Yeah, no, it, Public Enemies comes in at number 13 in its ninth week, okay. which is all two right. more spots down. Okay. Next one is a film, I'm just going to say, it's called The Collector. I have to look it up. I've never heard of it. It's his first <laughs> week in the... What do you mean you're going to say it's called? Is it is it in English? Yeah. Oh, I thought you were like trying to translate the name or something. Uh, this is probably about like a guy who collects bones or something. Desperate to repay his debt to his ex-wife, an ex-con plots a heist at the new employer's country home, unaware that a second criminal has also targeted the property and rigged it with a set of deadly traps. Well, who's in it? Josh Stewart. John Stewart. Josh Stewart. Oh, I know this poster. It's a scary poster. Marcus Dunstan is the director. I have not heard of anyone in this apart from Robert Wisdom. Uh, what a weird looking movie. Yeah. Look, the poster always scared me because it's like a scary mask thing, and I'm oh, scared that yeah. scary masks frighten me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, no interest there. <laughs> no. Next one was another rom com. Okay. Wow, we're uh, doing really well. Yeah, it's real rom-com peak here. Uh, this is kind of, I guess this is, this is one that pops up in those tweets where it's like, this is the real villain, but this is the villain who the movie says is or something. Oh, right, interesting. Okay, it's one of them annoying films like that people well, tweet about. Yeah. Okay. Um, is Amy Adams in it? No. Is Anne Hathaway in it? No. Okay. Um, it's one of those annoying films. Well, they're not the lead. Yeah, yeah, they're not in. Okay, it's one of those annoying films people tweet about. I haven't seen uh, this, but like, it's apparently it's. I can picture. You've given like, it three stars. I've given it three stars. Yeah, that yeah. probably means I didn't pay attention to any of it. Um, is Sandra Bullock's not in it? No. No, younger, younger leads. Younger leads. Yeah. Um, the leads are like late twenties, I guess. Oh, weird. I honestly have no idea what this could be. Name one of the leads. It'll probably give it away. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, Chloe Grace Moretz is in this. She's like oh. a third, well, tertiary character or whatever, secondary character. She's a secondary character. Is this she's di- like third build on... Diary of a Wimpy Kid? Nope. She's the third build. Oh, it's so, it's, of course, it is um, bracket, 500, close bracket, days of summer. Yeah. Very good. Uh, I don't know how good my clues were there. Like, does that qualify as annoying Twitter? Yeah, it does. Uh, so, it's yeah. much, much, much debated in the zeitgeist. Yes. Um, it's it's okay. I yeah. think that uh, just Gordon Levitt. I have a lot of I have a lot of um, good vibes for him right now. So I might revisit it. I know my dad really likes it. He watches it all the time. Hmm. I never really got the appeal, but it's fine. Okay. Next up, we have the. Oscar Best Picture from that year. Uh, yeah, it is The Hurt Locker. Indeed. Weird that came out in the summer. 
uh yeah that is in its 13th week wow god okay still raking in two million up 33 percent on the previous week jesus that that did really well yeah next is a bollywood film i think oh well who Uh, knows that next disney pixar uh 2009 it's cars 2 no oh that's 2011 uh 2009 is um up yes yeah okay up didn't come out in Mm. ireland until october isn't that crazy hmm that's crazy i think you want to run through a few more yeah we'll rattle through a few more and that'll yeah we'll wrap it up now next up we have a similar to a film we've covered on this in that it features that like (laughs) minority comes to america and doesn't get social Um, norms it's not bruno it is bruno yeah i knew bruno was going to be in here uh bruno very bad yeah not not very funny i know people who think it is funny and i disagree (laughs) okay we'll run through uh next is my sister's keeper uh yeah nonsense next is a one of our boys the other boy the other boy uh 2009 yeah this is in its 16th week no no way yeah what so that's been out since like the start of the year basically not four months um, three or four months in the stage yeah 2009 it's like a march release i mean it could be anything uh, i don't know but like 2009 i think it's a sequel oh uh battle of the smithsonian yeah yeah that's, uh that's grand yeah i'll just rattle through around my scenes after got taking of pelham one two three. Oh yeah star Great. trek yeah, lovely. Uh, Terminator Salvation. Mm, terrible. We got Moon in there. Yeah. Uh, one of our favorites, the one Dan Brown fa- adaptation. Oh, Angels and Demons. Great. Yeah. Lovely. Uh, 2009's a good year, in my opinion. It is. There's a lot of good watchable stuff in this. Like. Yeah. I do think Funny People is probably my favorite film of that year, though. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's enough. Oh, so we didn't discuss one big thing. What big things? If Sandler hadn't made this film, he was going to be in Inglorious Bastards. Oh, yes. In a role that ended up being played. I saw, yeah, I saw. Eli Roth. Someone <laughs> commenting, yeah, someone commented on it yesterday. Because there is a big reveal of his character in the film. Yeah. He, like, comes out of a dark tunnel and is like, who's this guy? Mm-hmm. Uh, it feels like it should be somebody more famous than Eli Roth. Yeah, like, I don't really know who Eli Roth was. <laughs> He's just, probably, yeah. like... He's just a director. Like. Yeah, it didn't make me much. It didn't make much of a difference to me at the time, I guess. Yeah, it would have been cool. It would have the bear Jew. But like he would have, I don't know. That film would be weird if there was another really big star in it. Did that come out later, two thousand nine or before? Uh, two thousand eight, I think. No, it came. I think it came out like a month after. I, why do I feel like that came out in two thousand eight? I think I'm wrong. I think it's two thousand nine, but it came out in August. Uh, 2009 August yeah it came out like two weeks later three weeks later yeah. I think that yeah you, I think think he made, you think he made the right choice I think he made the right choice I think Collateral was the wrong choice oh he, he was meant to play a Jane character yeah 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 Collateral would be much better with Sandler in Glorious Bastards I don't really care about yeah it would have been an interesting like yeah I don't know Hard kind of a nightime Sandler villain where he just like drives around 
Yeah, I think I think that would be wonderful. I think Clatter would be like an all timer if he was in it. Mm. Anyway, that's all. Thank you everybody for tuning in. Um, we wrung wrung a good bit of content out of Funny People, a very long film. Um, I don't know how people do podcasts that are like two and a half hours of discussing a film because I like. Yeah, that. like I think to be fair, I think our prep work and research ratio to mm. content we put out is like quite good. Quite good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like we're not like if we were raking in a couple of thousand on Patreon every month, I think I yeah. up yes. the yes, well also up the runtime a bit here. We but... need if we had a third person who had a bunch of anecdotes. Yeah, exactly. Which hopefully soon we'll have a, a guest with some anecdotes to tell. We don't have any one. industry insiders either. Which That's the thing. Yeah, that exactly. Hampers you a little bit. Yeah, and none of us make um, movies. But if you are if you are listening and you wanted to come on the show and talk about um, one of the films, please uh, reach out. We'd love to have you. Um, so anyway thanks for tuning in um, you can find me and Shane on Twitter you can follow the show Adam and Ben Pod on Twitter Instagram you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts Spotify Apple Google wherever and uh, we'll be back very soon we'll be discussing a stiller and uh, let us know if you have any yeah. suggestions for what you want us to do soon alright thank you bye bye this fire. thank you very much bye bye me who will bring you joy when I'm gone? Cause I'm one funny man. I bring the comedy. I am the one you go to to get cheered up. <laughs> Put in my movies. Escape, if you will, to a land of love. He doesn't have patience, he hates so many people, he's mad when others do well, he hates himself. Fuck George Simmons, he has a medium-sized penis, he fucked so many girls and yet no one remembers. When he's done fucking them, the girl just lays there and says I should have fucked Jean-Claude Van Damme instead of you. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. George Simmons soon will be gone. And he will not miss you people at all. Our relationship has always been strained. You always wanted too much from me, and I'm very mad at you. Leave me alone. Don't visit my grave, cocksuckers. Peace! <laughs>